When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates North Park, Illinois. It's Friday, April 2nd, and this is a wild sports weekend. MLB is back. The Final Four is going down. And, of course, NFL news. Chargers might be sold. Some comments made by a friend of mine that kicked up a firestorm. The NFL PA wants no offseason program. We'll talk about it all. It's me, Jeff Schwartz, by myself today. Jeff Schwartz is smarter than you. Glad to come talk to you about football. It is never-ending, and it's a gift that keeps on giving. And now we have the draft on top of that. And kind of the, the news and story of, of the last couple of days has been the comments by a good buddy of mine, Dan Orlovsky, who went on Pat McAfee's show and talked about uh, Ohio State quarterback Justin Fields. And, and we've discussed that his kind of drop down, um, at least the media consensus draft boards has been kind of odd, in my opinion, considering the work he did at Ohio State, I think the upside that, that he has. And just when you watch him play, you think to yourself, hey, man, this could be a real good kid. Uh, in the NFL, and to see him kind of going down while Mac Jones is going up, I, I did, just didn't really get that. So Dan Orlovsky went on Pat McAfee's show, and um, this is how misinformation at, at all times really in the NFL, but especially during draft time, we hear the anonymous scouts, right? Anonymous coaches talking, whatever it is, and how the misinformation can get very far with one person 
saying it. I'll give you an example from my playing career. Not a draft thing, but from my playing career, I know one person who talks shit about me and how it kind of spread throughout the NFL. So Darren Lofsky went on Pat McAfee's show, and they are talking about Justin Fields, a quarterback from Ohio State, and he said, Dan said, look, this is what I'm hearing about why Justin Fields is quote unquote dropping down the draft boards. And he said, these are not my opinions. And, you know, he kind of gave the, you know, the, the, the work ethic and the desire. And, and look, we know that if you watch Justin Fields play, none of that is true, right? From his desire to play through injuries uh, in the final game last season uh, or his desire to play football and get the Big Ten back on the field last year or his work ethic. I mean, it's hard to be a quarterback who is at that level um, and and not have a work ethic that is appropriate to play in the NFL. So Dan made these comments, shouldn't have made the comments, but he did. And then he, he created a firestorm. He then went on later to uh, Twitter and, and basically said, hey, I'm sorry, guys, this is what I got when I called Ohio State coaches. So look, we obviously know that it's better not to spread. And, I, and, and if you follow me on Twitter or listen to me talk about college athletes, I try my best and I do a daily Pac-12 radio show. So I'm talking about college kids all the time. I try my best not to talk about character and um, and kind of the sensitive topics because A, these kids are still kind of kids in my mind, even though they're in college and they're not getting paid at the moment and there's a chance they could be. But we just don't know, right? Unless I physically talk to a coach or someone very close to that player and I feel more comfortable sharing it, it's really difficult to, for me to say, hey, this guy doesn't work hard enough because I, I don't know, right? Um, and I've had one person say something about me that kind of got around the NFL. So look, Dan said it. He semi-apologized, he corrected himself, and now is on the record as having talked to someone in Ohio State specifically who worked with him. And I don't, obviously don't know who his first source is, and he's corrected that. But the point of all this was talking about what happened with me, and I'm explaining how this can spread, okay? So I was in Minnesota in 2012. I had a bad time in Minnesota. Okay? I was coming off two hip surgeries in Carolina in 2011. I got both hips uh, had to be fixed. I had hip impingements when you're, uh, your femur... Uh, that attaches, you know, that attaches up to, you know, in your hip socket has a bone spur on it. So when you move, you know, your your bone spur, um, you know, it, it rips up the cartilage inside uh, of your hip. So it's just kind of a, a, a natural thing that big guys have. So whatever, I got, I got them both fixed in Carolina. I go to Minnesota in 2012 and, you know, things kind of didn't feel right. I sort of didn't do much in the spring, obviously, as I'm recovering from my surgery. I remember we worked out in the summer with my brother as he was heading into the NFL with the Browns. And, then, you know, something didn't certainly feel right. About a week into camp, I get hurt again. I have a sports hernia, and uh, I'm out for the rest of training camp, and I have to have surgery. And I came back, and I was there. I played a little bit that season. I, I didn't start. I was told I had a chance to start. They just kind of, you know, it just – didn't treat me like I thought I should be treated. They lied to my face, all those things, okay? And my wife, my current wife, my only wife, um, we were planning our wedding at the time, and she was in Charlotte, still in in school, so I barely saw her at all. We ended up actually calling the wedding off after that year. Just She called it off. It just was a lot. Like, it just wasn't, I was, was not having a good time in Minnesota. I was most surely depressed, living by myself, um, you know, in an apartment, not playing as much as I wanted to, the weather and the, the no sunlight, all those things. Well, um, 
And there were some offensive linemen in that offensive line room that I just couldn't stand. And uh, I didn't really make it known to them. And, and I worked my butt off. I did things I always I always did. Um, and when season was over, it was over. And look, we had Adrian Peterson at 2,000 yards that year. I did some great things in Minnesota, which I played more. But I mean, I didn't, I didn't leave on like a, a bad note. I didn't think I did. Um, so we get to free agency and it's 2013 and look, I'm not a top free agent. I'm not someone that you know, people are beating down the doors for. So my agent's just trying to find me deals to go play one year deal. I ended up signing Kansas city that year. So he's talking to a friend of his who's a general manager of a team that's not in Kansas city. And I had a, I had a decent deal. Well, it was like a one and a half million dollars for one year. It's pretty good. I mean, I ended up getting, I think 700 grand from the chiefs and we're about to close on the deal. And the general manager said, um, oh, we heard Jeff's a bad locker room guy. We just can't do it. And I said, uh, I told my like, excuse me, what, what is what is bad locker room guy? What does that even mean? He goes, that's what, what he heard. I knew exactly where this came from. The offensive lineman who I did not like went upstairs and he was a leader on that offensive line. He went upstairs, told the offensive line coach he didn't like me for whatever reason, blah, 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 blah. The offensive line coach went upstairs, told the general manager, told the head coach, General managers talk, general manager told other general manager, and boom. One comment from one offensive lineman who I was not friendly with. And again, I, I didn't do anything to make him not like me. He just didn't really like me. Um, and boom, now I'm labeled as a bad locker room guy. And it cost me cost me a deal. And obviously, like, I'm happy with where I ended up in Kansas City. But um, you know that is how one... One person's comment. So one person talks to Dan Orlovsky, says, hey, Justin Fields is this, this, and this. And that's how one comment can spread around. And when you don't have people out there advocating for you, and Justin Fields obviously did, and Dan did do some more research on that and figure out that wasn't really who he is. Um, that one comment can be what people think about you. Um, you know, this general manager, by the way, after 2013, apologized to my agent and said, sorry, we got, we got bad information. Because look, look, you accuse me of a lot of things, um, and 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 uh, you could say that you know that I was hurt too much, um, or that you know I know that people feel I wasn't you know, I got paid too much in New York and blah blah blah. Uh, but you can't question whether or not I was good in the locker room, right? I have I have friends from every team. Uh, I still talk to to plenty of of people that I played with and coaches that I played with, and uh, there was no, nothing. I was never a bad locker room guy, so. That coming out was what's a bunch of BS, and um, that's how one thing can start an entire conversation. And it, this is this is a low profile offensive lineman, right? We're talking about Justin Fields now, who you know potential top five draft pick, and, and that's how one thing someone says. Someone told Dan, "Hey, you know, bad locker room guy, not bad locker room guy, but poor work ethic, right? Was it last guy?" in first guy out type of thing. And, and one person can spread that out. And if you don't do your research on that, that can really harm that person's value and can really hurt them. And I think that's where, and there's obviously some other aspects to what Dan said that uh, I think people accurately are upset about. Um, but that's how one comment can can change everything for you. And I ended up working out for me. I went to Kansas City, played really well. If I had gone to the other team, I'm not sure I would have played as well. I definitely would have I had the, the coaching that I had in Kansas City. So it's a kind of a blessing in disguise in the end. But um, it, it's, that's how quickly it can change, right? What it was, I, I know exactly who it was. I know exactly who it was. Um, I know how it went up the chain. I know how it got to general manager. Um, but yeah, bad locker room guy. That's, I've never been told that. I'll never be told that. It's not who I was. 
Um, so you know that's uh, that's how it can happen. You can it can be can kind of be can kind of be that quick. Um, so again, when you see these anonymous quotes, and there's a lot of them this time of year, just be careful with how you view them. I, I take them with a grain of salt. Um, because again, we, we don't really know unless a coach specifically has told someone that. And look, I've talked to coaches before and so most coaches obviously want their guys to be successful in the NFL. So they go maybe out of their way to, to praise them. But I will say, you know, in private, if, if they think a guy's a douchebag, they don't want that stain on them, right? They'll be honest about that with, with analysts. They'll say, Hey, this guy is, a, is not who, who you think he is. His, his, his work ethic's not as good, all that things. But again, in this instance, when it was one person saying this and no one else saying it, and again, Dan was the messenger here, but he should have known better not to do this, <clears throat> that um, just take everything with, with a grain of salt this time of year, right? It's a misinformation time. It's a time where uh, you know teams are trying to leak stuff out to get guys to drop off draft boards and whatnot. So just um, just be careful what you... Uh, what you believe out there in the in the Twitter streets when it becomes draft time. So the draft signals springtime, which signals the NFL offseason program coming back very soon. Uh, and there's um, talk about the NFL, NFL offseason program changing forever. We know last year that because of COVID, there was no NFL offseason program. For those who are unaware, the offseason program, uh, quite simply, is 10 weeks of activity broken up into a couple different – uh, parts, right? Different sections. Um, it's four hours a day for the first five weeks, basically, then six hours a day for the next three or four weeks. And then you have a mini camp and maybe a rookie mini camp. It's not a lot of work. Okay. Uh, and last year we saw it not happen because of COVID. It was all done virtually and the players got to training camp at an acclimation period. It went off without a hitch. Um, some injuries were down, some were up. But overall, not the catastrophe a lot of us, like I, like me, thought that it would be with with injuries. So now there's talk about altering the NFC, the NFL offseason program forever um, and making it something different. And we're seeing the owners push back on that. And as we get closer, and today's April 2nd, obviously, until we get closer to the middle of April when things normally start, we'll probably have more of a resolution. And here's what I would say is the NFLPA has a, a great president, J.C. Treader of the Browns. I think he does a great job. And you go to his Twitter, he put out uh, a lot of research on last year uh, and how things for players like injuries were, were better. The gameplay did not suffer as much as we thought possibly. There's no really stat for that, but just in general, what we saw with our own eyes and how a lot of that had to do with no offseason program. And my my pushback is two things on this. One is that, look, veterans don't need the offseason program. You don't need it. Guys go train. They don't need it at all. The older guys don't need it. But two things that I would be... Um, that I question about getting rid of us programs forever. One is that when you have a negotiation for something between the players and the owners, when something happens one direction, someone has to get something in the other direction, right? So if we say as players, hey, owners, we want no more off-season program, they're not going to just say, okay, fine, just no more, right? Because the coach will be pissed. Um, look, they're not making much money off the offseason program, but coaches will be upset. They, they, they can't have their guys in there. And they're going to want something in return to that. And, and every time that we've asked you know, for less practice time, less pads, they've said yes because they don't care. They just want to get to Sundays and collect the money on game day. So they're willing to trade less practice time 
for something else, typically a monetary value. And I've made this argument for years now. The NFL players should not trade a single cent for less offseason program. So if they determine this year, hey, we're going we're gonna to say, cool, no offseason program, in, in which the NFL, by the way, has said they're going to have some offseason program. It might not be the, the full 10 weeks. It might just be three weeks in a, in a mini camp, whatever it is. The NFL wants to come in this year. But in the, in the case that they say, hey, we're, we're out, we're, we're healthy, we can come in, facilities are open up everywhere, we've gotten the vaccines, not everyone has to get the vaccine, of course, you're not going to force someone to get the vaccine, even though I think personally you should get the vaccine, but you know, not everyone's going to get the vaccine, but we have enough players that have gotten it, the numbers are down, we're, we're going back. If the players trade anything to get rid of the offseason program, they are foolish. They're foolish. It's not worth it. It's too easy to trade. We should not trade a single cent for less offseason program. So, again, the owners, I think, will be fine saying, hey, most of it's gone, but what are we getting in return for making you work less? And look, we get paid for the regular season. We get barely any money in the offseason. So, financially, it's not that big of a hit for a lot of us. But there's offseason Workout bonuses included in in players' contracts that obviously will be will not be there anymore because of this. So I look again. I, I'm fine with it from an older player perspective, and if we don't have to trade anything away for this, but do not trade a single cent for for less offseason program. It's too easy to to really to give up. Now the other part of this is young guys, and the young guys. Again, it's not the first and second round, third round draft picks. Those guys we saw last year, you know, Tampa Bay, for example, Tristan Wirfs, a right tackle, Winfield Jr. I played with his dad, so it's weird saying that. Winfield Jr. for the Bucks, second round draft pick. Like, like, you come in and play well as a rookie when you're a top level draft pick. But a guy like me, seventh round draft pick, the offseason program was very important for me to grow and develop. So the offseason program is is multiple weeks in a row of just weightlifting, which is not for the development part. And there's meetings, two hours weightlifting, two hours meetings. It's the OTAs when you're on the field working on technique. It's the mini camp when you're on the field working on your play. All those things are important for guys like me, a seventh round draft pick who needs every single opportunity to prove to the coaches that I belong in the NFL. Yes, it's not without pads. It is, uh, me, it is without pads and it's not practice. It's not games, but, but every opportunity a young player can get to be on the field is an opportunity they can make the team. And if we take away the offseason program, we're going to see less young players get opportunity to better themselves in the offseason program. And this is why, by the way, I think the older players are like, well, screw it. We don't need the offseason program. Now, they don't maybe consciously doing it to spite the younger players, but they know that the younger players are the ones that are hurt the most from this, right? Um, from the opportunity to learn the opportunity to 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 see the playbook multiple times, talk to the coaches, be in the facility, make make good impressions. If you're a guy who's been in the NFL 11 years, the same team, even if you've been on four teams, you know everything. You don't need the offseason program. You you have your trainer, you have everyone set up. But some of these young guys, man, they can't afford trainers yet. They can't afford to to feed themselves in a way that you can't at the facility. They can't afford to to be away from the the, the team for seven months in the offseason. And so I wonder if there's a compromise here. You have a program where young guys, maybe you say three years and younger, or you do it by, by, by how many games you play or snaps you play, percent of snaps you played. You don't have to come. 
to the offseason program till this date, and therefore, you know, you, we kind of cut that off for you. Uh, and then, you know, vice versa, if you're a younger player, you have to come for, for 10 weeks, whatever it is. And that used to look way back in the old, old CBA now, tw- when I first got in the NFL, that's the way it was. Um, you know, uh, younger players stayed longer in the summer. We had to stay an extra two weeks, I believe, before the rookie symposium where the older guys got to leave earlier. So maybe that's the compromise. The compromise is younger players get to do the offseason program. Older players get the option to do it or just don't have to show up at all. Uh, and that feels like the best groove to be in, right? You have a ability to do football, help yourself prevent injuries. If you're if you're a younger player, get in the building, learn a little bit, impress your coaches, feel more comfortable playing football. And the older players who are established say, hey, man, I'll do my thing on my own. I don't need it. I'll just show up for training camp or really try to up for maybe two weeks or three weeks or mini camp, whatever it is. feels like the, the happy medium. Boom. And there it is. Wireless on the most reliable network nationwide. That's cool. But with my wireless, I get unlimited for just 30 bucks. Impressive. But does yours have 5G included? Of course. And my wireless saves me 400 bucks a year. That's because you all have Xfinity Mobile with your internet. It's wireless so good, it keeps one-upping itself. $30 per line per month. Taxes and fees extra. Compares pricing of top carriers. Xfinity internet required. Reduced speeds up to 20 gigabits of usage per line. Most reliable based on root metrics. You also report. Results vary. Non-endorsement. Normally, we already have NFL rule changes that have happened, but this year we're still debating it because of COVID. Kind of everything got got pushed back, and so there's seven rule changes that are being considered right now. Um, uh, seven or eight that are being considered by the NFL Competition Committee, um, and we'll uh, we'll uh, we'll talk about them because they're 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 interesting. Um, and the one that's getting the most attention, by the way, is uh, from the from the Chiefs who who uh, want to make. Everyone, um, every uh, change the, the eligible numbers basically. So you know you could you know defensive lineman could wear one. You know the NFL. If you also know this, the, the numbers are are set. You can only have a certain number if you play a certain position. Um, that would be so. Everyone's talking about that. That would be that would be interesting. All right, the elimination overtime in preseason games should easily pass. Boom, done. Should easily pass. Um, no no question about it. It it should pass. Like there's no reason to even do that. Um, Onside kick, um, there's two proposals. There's one where nine players in a setup zone. I don't really care about that. But the one I do care about with this is the Eagles propose a more radical change, giving teams an option for one play to gain 15 yards to keep possession after a score. Um, and this is um, this is pretty interesting. So fourth, fourth and 15 will be the onside kick now. And I think that that converts at a higher rate than onside than onside kick does, um, so you know people might not feel it's fair, but how awesome would this be? Fourth and fifteen, I'd sign up for fourth and fifteen anytime over onside kick. It's a fantastic idea. This is one of the that I hope uh, I hope they pass. There's some uh, block in the back stuff uh, that uh, whatever no one really cares about that. Um, there's uh, another proposal here with with replay that I feel like. Um, uh, and this is one that they consider less likely to even happen, but. Proposal from the Ravens to add an eighth official that would have access to television replay and be positioned somewhere other than the field. This is kind of the idea of the uh, the sky judge we saw in the AAF and XFL. Um, my my whole thing um, with this is um, you know the the issue of how quickly this can happen. I know that we want to get everything right. And I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a weirdo maybe because I'm just, I, 
sports is played by humans and not everything's going to be right. I know people don't like this take, but like if it's not right, sometimes it's just not going to be right. I've been on both ends of it. I've been on ends. I was uh, on Oregon in 2006 and we won a game because the referees botched an onside kick uh, recovery. Oklahoma recovered the ball. First of all, we touched it nine and a half yards and Oklahoma recovered it. Um, and we got the ball back and scored and won the game. Um, I've been on the other end where we've been screwed by by officials to buy calls. It, it goes both ways, but I, you know, human error is part of it. Now, the onside kick stuff is egregious. That should have been fixed. I'm not advocating for that to never be fixed, but that was bad. That should be fixed. Um, but you know, there's some human element. So Sky Judge, to me, um, it's just got to be quick. You can't have a play that's... 40 yards down the field and the sky judge comes back and reviews it and takes takes forever. We see in college basketball right now, how painful some of these reviews have been. And so the sky judge can do this quickly. I'm, I'm all for that. In my opinion, um, that it says here that, um, this year's proposal adds to the list, a video available in the press box shows clear and obvious evidence. The replay official can, can kind of, you know, just buzz down and do it. So, um, it seems like this is unlikely to happen, but I think it should be tried in the preseason. That's where you can try everything. The preseason is where you try everything. So I'd go ahead and try this. I'd try this, make it happen, and um, it would be something that is worth the try in, the, in preseason. It's worth it. So I hope they do it. Um, it would be uh, a good try, but again, I just don't want to take away from the kind of the flow of the game. You know, things are going to be wrong every now and then. Also, one thing with replay is like, where do you, where do you stop with replay, right? So to me, and, and I'm watching a baseball game right now as I'm recording this, and baseball, I think, kind of violates the spirit of replay all the time. Um, you know, replay is to, to fix egregious errors on the field. I think that basketball and baseball do the worst job of just taking time to review things that just seem, just seem not what replay is, is for. You know, if, if a ball gets tipped away, we saw this in the National Championship game a couple years ago with Virginia and Tech, right? Or when the ball gets tipped away, you know, Virginia hits it out of Tech's hand. The ball, like, literally just, like, grazes the fingertip of the Tech player. For 100 years now, that has been a off the guy, off the team that hit it out. But we super slow mode it, and we just like looked at it so close, and boom, it was it just ever so like that's not what replay is. Super slow mo is not what replay was intended for. We watch. I'm watching baseball now. Guy slides home, he beats a throw home, and his foot just ever so slightly like doesn't touch the top of home plate for like a split second, and he's tagged. He's out. Like I don't like it. I don't like it. It's not what the rules for. It's not what the rules for. Clear and egregious problems. That's what it's for. You know, the NFL, and, and really this is college football issue, targeting, right? Super slow-mo, no context of what's happening around you. And I said, is, that what, is that what replays for, guys? I don't think so. So if we do Sky Judge, I hope they keep the replay kind of as is and just don't tweak it too much. Uh, again, procedural calls, have to get those correct. 100% cannot screw those up. Um, you know, in, if guys inbounds, out of bounds, whatever it is, but some of the other stuff, just don't get too ticky tacky with it. If we go to a sky judge, uh, please don't do that. Uh, that would be, you know, that'd be no bueno. Last little bit of NFL news. Pretty interesting here. Um, the chargers ownership, Dean Spanos owns the chargers. Uh, and this was, I think it may be viewed as April fool's joke. And it wasn't, um, so Dean Spano's sister asked LA court to force sale of chargers saying 
that um, her brother, um, uh, that their trust is uh, $353 million in debt. Woo. They're valued at $2.6 billion. And we've known for a long time that that Spanos is one of the cheapest owners in the NFL. They share a stadium with, uh, with, with the Rams. And uh, I'm curious, obviously, you know, how this ends up happening, but nonetheless, the part that caught my attention, because I don't, you know, do we care in fighting between ownership? No, they'll figure it out and someone will own the team eventually. But the petition also says Amazon founder Jeff Bezos is interested in becoming an NFL owner and said the Chargers could be a perfect opportunity. So what does a stadium look like with Jeff Bezos running a team? I'm going to bring producer Nick in here because Nick is very tech savvy. What, Nick, what, what are they going to do at a, te- a high-tech NFL stadium, SoFi Stadium, they're going to turn it into, or, or maybe he just goes back to San Diego and builds a new stadium there. Wherever he takes his team, what is the most high-tech thing? My, my suggestion is they're going to have drones delivering food. Never have to leave your seat. I don't know if you're going to like the direction I'm going to go with this. Did you see that Mark Cuban is selling tickets as NFTs? Oh, is he really? What is it? Okay. An, 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 an NFT. Okay. Explain it. So NFT is like a it's like a picture it's like a picture of a picture you're buying. It, it's digital art. It's essentially it's a mix. No, what is it? Why do I want digital art? I just want an art I can look at. What do I need digital art for? They're buying new Fortnite skins. It, it's it's a similar idea. People want to show off their digital art in the new digital world. Can I just take a picture of it on my phone? You could, but it's not protected on the <laughs> blockchain. This is, I'm like, I, I, the funny part is I'm like, I'm pretty technologically sound. You, I, I think you'd agree with me, right? Like you do a bunch of pod, you produce a bunch of podcasts. I'm like, I'm good with technology. I have no, I have no idea about blockchain and, 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 uh, uh, cryptocurrency and Bitcoin and NFTs. I just see people dunking on the Winklevoss twins on Twitter, but their NF, NFT takes. The idea is they can the team would be able to participate in the secondary market. So when the Mavericks sell a ticket to someone for $200, LeBron is in town and that ticket resells for $300 through the blockchain, a portion of that increase kicks back to the Mavericks. So Bezos is going to do an NFT scheme for the chargers. And I'm going to, I'm going to be the idiot who's like, I'm going to go to a chargers game. I have no idea what I'm doing. And I'm going to, I'm going to NFT it and I have no idea what I'm Okay. So that's, wow. I went down a road. I didn't think I'd go to. Um, so drones delivering food, obviously. Um, if you go there, do you get like a, with a purchase of ticket, do you get a free like Amazon prime subscription possibly as well? Like, I mean, that's a, that's a, that'd be great. What happens to, to Sunday ticket? Does it go on prime if he owns a team? Um, I have so many things that so many, te- you know, technological things he could do. So look, Jeff Bezos. I hope he buys a team. Whatever, he's got a lot of money. It'd be good for the NFL to have more billionaires involved. I need more progressive billionaires um, and more ways to make the game fun for everyone else. So I, you know, we'll see. NFT tickets, whatever. Uh, last couple of things. Uh, baseball has begun, guys. I'm a baseball fan. I grew up playing baseball. If you guys didn't know this, I um, I coached baseball for six years when I was in the NFL. So I um was bored my first off season. So, you know, you play all season and it was like January. I was like, I don't know what to do with myself. And so I told my dad, my dad's like, Hey, 
uh, why don't you call a local high school and uh, ask if they need to help coach? I had done a little bit of coaching um, growing up. I did some umpiring. I did some umpiring uh, in college. Oh, I was, I was like, ha! My favorite one, by the way, was, and this is, um, I think just we're doing an audio podcast today, but I would, I would point. So I'd be the, the base umpire, right? Guy would steal second base. I'd point at the second baseman with my left hand. Boom, point. Be like, show me the ball. And they hold the ball. I'd be like, oh, yeah. I punched the guy out. I was like, that's my favorite call as umpire. So I like baseball. Um, so I started coaching high school baseball at Fort Mill High School in South Carolina. And um, I started the first year. I just, I didn't have baseball pants. I just wore like sweat, gray sweatpants. I was, um, I was like, the, I think I was sort of the pitching coach the first year, but not really. And then from then on, I was varsity pitching coach. And um, I did it for, I was in Carolina four years, I, maybe five, I did it for five years. My f- fourth year there, we were upper state champions. And we had three kids, division, three pitchers go division one, two go division one. One, um, is I still think in the minor leagues, one didn't, you know, he just kind of fizzed out. The other one um, was just, he was never going to be in the big leagues. We wouldn't a kid, a, a hitter draft in the third round as well. Like we were pretty good. It was a lot of fun. And I called pitches. I was calling pitches and everything. So love baseball. So I'm glad baseball's back full season this year. Unfortunately already had one COVID cancellation. Uh, and I gamble on baseball too. It's absolutely brutal. The daily gamble on baseball. I won today though. So first day starting out, um, you know, you got to take those divisional home dogs, a little reverse line movement, but glad baseball's back. It just feels like, and I, I know numbers are, I guess, spiking a little bit in our country, um, but it does feel like we're getting a little bit back to normal, right? Augusta, I believe the Masters is coming up pretty soon again, just on just just when it's supposed to on time. Baseball's back. Um basketball got their full tournament in this year we'll, we'll talk about that in just a second the nba is getting in they're getting fans back in the stands um obviously football and spring practice we've had some spring games so far so like we're getting just back to normal you know as, as soon as we can and baseball simplifies that to me lastly uh final four i've had a good run i'm 19 and 14 in the in the, in the tournament so far uh, gambling, that's a spread. I have uh, Gonzaga, uh, I assume I have UCLA plus 14 and a half and Houston plus five. Gonzaga's probably going to run UCLA, but I, 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 Bruins keep sticking close. I grew up a Bruin fan. My parents went to UCLA, so uh, I'm very happy UCLA is in the Final Four. I was at the gym today, and I was on the, the treadmill, and I was just doing a little incline walk, and I was watching 1995 UCLA-Arkansas championship highlights like i love the bruins uh so i'm really glad that, that the bruins are in it so those are my picks I, i'm gonna finish at the at the worst 19 and 16 uh, i'll take it it's winning um march madness is tough it can be hard to gamble on but i'm just so glad it's back and yeah give me the i think gonzaga wins the whole thing undefeated great to have a, a mid-major which feels weird calling them a mid-major because they're better than some majors um, but mid-major win a championship they're fun to watch man oh they're fun to watch they up and down the court they score fast they play fast they pass the ball quickly they're just fun to watch so i hope they i, I mean look i'm rooting for the bruins but i think gonzaga gonzaga wins doesn't cover uh baylor wins doesn't cover i think here's a chance to win that game too and then we'll see uh we'll see gonzaga in the final on monday all right everyone Thank you for joining along. Be back next week. Uh, Matt Miller, formerly Bleacher Report, now with ESPN, will join us next week for an interview the latter half of that week. Uh, have a great weekend, everyone. Talk to everyone later. Peace. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. 
Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.